ewes and lambs grazing in the early summer sun. For many, the year's work comes together this time of the year, as sheep are brought in to be shorn, lambs weaned or sold, and the cycle of production comes to a crescendo before it all begins again. Hello, welcome to The Yarn. I'm Marius Cumming, and a little later we'll hear some thoughts from India. We'll discuss the importance of Wool's great story of provenance and how to best counter animal activists. Many wool growers work in isolation. Australian Wool Innovation's Wool Grower Networks are an important point of contact to learn from and with other farmers, but also to hear what the wool R&D and marketing body does on their behalf. These networks are driven by producers who direct where the funds are spent. It could be on a field day, wild dogs, managing or recovering from drought. Peter Hanrahan manages these networks and has a couple of decades experience in extension. He says Queensland has been a good recent example of farmers driving the initiative. Where you have had a uh, fairly serious drought. So in terms of the program which we had mapped out was looking at new technologies and whatever, but the producers on the farm advisory panel for the project changed to say, well, we need to deal with drought issues, uh, mental health issues. Then how do we head back into the recovery phase? How do we restock? That's very much been a producer-driven approach to try to get something that is highly relevant at the time for the producers. In some areas there's a crossover and I understand that there are some groups that have been formed particularly for a subject such as wild dogs. So I know there's some, uh, some extension network groups that have been formed to attract funding to help fight wild dogs. But the other issue here that I suppose uh, we can easily pass over is the social aspect of uh, these networks. Uh, farming can be a very lonely occupation and uh, to get off the farm and to meet other farmers, to learn from other farmers, is that still central to the role of the networks? Yes, I think it is very much in any of the feedback that we've done has always been considered that it's a socialisation component is and in terms of if there is a drought or say such things as bushfires, well it's your producer network, the group of people who tend to come and populate that area with people out there to help with the recovery exercise and to provide the social response. One of the things just getting back onto the wild dog issue is that in Victoria they ran wild dog groups with the best wool groups but they tacked on, besides the technology of how to handle the dogs, they tacked on a whole lot of stuff about productivity issues and that was a great benefit to the producers to say not only do we need to control the dogs but we really need to lift our productivity as well and uh, that seemed to work exceptionally well. Now you're an interesting case study yourself because you, you were very much at the start of uh, the development of farming networks. Farming has changed a lot in your time. How optimistic do you feel about the future of farming and particular wool growing at the moment given that there, is, there seems to be a bit of a surge of interest particularly with young people coming, coming into farming? Well I think that we really need to make sure so that we can take benefit of the new surge to make sure that we're very well placed to help those people to come in so that in terms of 
with our network projects, our delivery systems need to change for people that are under 30 basically using mobile phones. Uh, so we've got to make sure that we're highly relevant in that area. I think that in the consultation we did with New South Wales last year, they were all very confident that things were going on, but they understood that the cost price squeeze was going to continue, so they had to improve their efficiency continually to be able to continue to be profitable. So does that mean you're optimistic about the future or not, Peter? I'm very, well, I'm very optimistic, but I also I see that we can't just rest on our laurels because wool prices have come, come up. because. We all know that wool prices will go down and we will have more droughts and whatever, but I think we have got the management techniques now to be able to work our way through those things, but we've got to keep working at them so that I see things such as uh, extension networks for the future is going to continue to be vitally important to help producers to achieve that. National Manager for the AWI Extension Networks, Peter Hanrahan there. Let's change gear now and head to India or more specifically, central Victoria, where menswear designer Suket Deer visited the farm of Lindsay and Noel Henderson. Suket is the winner of the menswear section of the International Woolmark Prize. He was blown away by seeing the raw fibre on farm. He actually arrived during shearing, where he got a better sense of the provenance or the origin of wool. We just started designing our own fabrics as well, which is which is just sort of makes this meeting even more relevant. It's amazing, amazing. It's just, it's magical. I'm using this word again and again. It's so beautiful to actually meet him today, knowing that, you know, how particular I am or we are with our processes of the end product, of how important it is for the product to be so, so, so good. That, in fact, in my philosophy or work philosophy, with the conventional, all the people in the past have been telling us the customer is a king. And, and I've sort of moved towards a new uh, sort of a belief system, which means product is the king. And it's so amazing to see that somebody else is actually working on that as well. I mean, good customers automatically reach the right product. So what Suket is talking about is is the approach that we have towards quality for, with everything that we do in the, the management of our shape, the management of the environment, and in particular the management of the way we harvest our wool, and then we bale that wool and get it to, hopefully, straight to the designer. And, and it's that quality approach that, that meshes in with uh, the new manufacturing approach. And I, and I totally agree. I think it's the product that's ultimately going to sell what um, we're producing. It is. So if the product is great, everybody benefits from the farmer to the wearer of the product to the person who interviews us, the magazine people who actually follow the product and talk about it, to my tailors, to everybody who gets involved in the whole process. Everybody benefits if the product is like that. And it's amazing, amazing to see the approach towards the product. And the quality and the dedication and the shearing shed, which you saw today, shearing. So, Suket, thank you very much for coming along. Noel and Lindsay, who does just as much work here as everyone else, thank you very much for hosting us today. Suket, thank you very much for coming along and thanks for joining us on The Yarn. Thank you so much for having us. That's Suket Deer, award-winning Indian designer, telling the on-farm story of wool is becoming an increasing part of Woolmark's marketing. There is a provenance aspect to all marketing campaigns 
Campaign for Wool, the popular The Source video series, the latest sports craft and country road campaigns are all examples, all tell a story of where wool comes from. Thanks Tom Dennis for asking about that subject, please stay tuned for more news in that area. So telling the story of wool is vital to educate consumers and selling wool. And selling wool is the best way to counteract animal activists. Here's AWI CEO, Stuart McCulloch. We've got 350 million kilograms of wool uh, to sell each year. And the way we do it is get out and try and sell it. You know, we believe that the best way to uh, oppose this particular angle is get out and convince consumers to buy our product, and that's exactly what we're doing. And every kilogram of that 350 million kilogram sells every year. Every kilogram of it's pretty much turned into garments every year, and every one of those garments sells every year. So there's no stock, there's no stockpile of sweaters or wool anywhere in the world. We think that's the way to uh, oppose this particular topic. And in doing so, have wool prices go up. And that's exactly what's happened in the last five years. Wool prices have gone up, we're selling all our wool, and there's more and more demand. This topic does get raised from time to time overseas uh, when I visit there, but it gets raised because we know that there's a certain amount of people, a certain amount of retailers and brands that are interested in this topic and we convene special meetings for them. But of the number of retailers that I saw on my last visit, that would, it would equate to something like 5%, 3% of retailers that are actually interested in this topic. The rest of them just want to talk about fashion and demand and marketing and other things. So we know that there are some that are particularly sensitive to this issue. We talk to them about the progress that we're making with R&D on this particular topic. But we also make uh, very clear them that there is no cost-effective and equally good solution today. So in the absence of that, there will continue to be mulesing. We hope with pain relief, but there will continue to be mulesing. Now, should, should a cost-effective and equally good alternative pop up tomorrow, then I guarantee you most of the Australian wool growers will adopt it. There will be mass adoption of something if it's as cost-effective and equal, uh, equally as good. But at the moment, that, that, that alternative's not there for them, and, and in the absence of that, they will keep their sheep alive, and, and, and good on them for doing that. AWI CEO Stuart McCulloch there, ending this edition of The Yarn. Feel free to get in touch with me if you have any topic at all you'd like discussed. But for now, from me, Marius Cumming, it's farewell and we look forward to your company on the next edition of The Yarn.